Hello, and welcome to episode 222 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Will Fisk and Oliver Brown, creators of Awaken, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt. And Will, um, why don't we start off with you real quick? Um, let's, uh, let's, let's start off with a, with a quick bio about yourself. Cool. Yeah. Hey, I'm Will. Uh, I'm a writer from Australia. I'm currently at uni studying screenwriting. Um, yeah, just to polish up my skills and hopefully uh, publish Awaken as my first story. Very cool. And, and Oliver, uh, how about a quick bio about yourself? Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, Oliver, as you know, um, 27, same age as Will. Uh, I'm a writer and I'm also at university, um, just studying philosophy and archaeology. Uh, been friends with Will for a long time, always been passionate about comics and animation. So thought we'd give a, give a try at making one ourselves. Very cool. And uh, so, Will, um, you're going to give us a, a sort of a quick elevator pitch for, for this book, Awaken, that's on Kickstarter. And then we'll sort of go into the interview. We'll, we'll find out a little bit more of the backstory and that stuff. But just, just lead us off with a little bit about this book um, and, and, and what, what it's about. Cool. Uh, so Awaken is uh, a story about humanity's struggle uh, for survival in a future without Earth. So um, there's a shard of Earth that now floats through the cosmos, kind of like a dystopian city. And we follow the life of a young teenage boy um, coming to kind of unearth his own powers in this in this kind of dystopian world. Nice. So you guys mentioned in the, the, the bios that you guys have sort of been lifelong friends and, and, and comic fans. Is this, is, is this something, uh, a story idea that you guys have had for a while and you've been bouncing it off of each other? Or is this something that you got like real serious about making here uh, of late? Like what's the, what's the genesis of the idea here? It's actually, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a funny story, but <laughs> <laughs> Will had this, amazing week this crazy week and um we'd this, always hang out <laughs> the medical term is uh is uh sleep deprivation induced psychosis <laughs> <laughs> so he you know he has this you know wild week and he comes back to me because we'd hang out every weekend and he comes to me after this and says i've got this idea for this story and i'm like oh yeah like i just really want to play video games like i don't really want to talk about it and he just would keep coming around and and tell me about this idea and at one point, I just turned and was like, all right, like if, you, if you want to get serious about this, let's start writing. And that was maybe four. That was, that was probably four, four and a half years ago. Mm. Um, but I think as time's gone on and we've been able to kind of bounce it and polish it more and more, we've gotten more and more serious about it and I guess believed in it more. Mm. At, the, at the start, the idea that I brought to Oliver was very kind of <laughs> very silly and like almost more of a children's storybook Um but Oliver's really kind of brought that philosophical side to it and really kind of like matured the storyline and turned it into what it is today. Um, so yeah, so, it's a cool mesh. So uh, Will, it, did I, if I understand correctly that you're studying screenwriting at university? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So um, 
at the four and a half years ago when you guys got serious about this, um, were you, you know, in that realm of, of, of studying or were you guys just sort of at this point, you know, four and a half years ago, you know, the, the crazy week of, of sleep deprivation, you know, <laughs> going, going to Oliver, he just wants to play his games, but you guys are, you know, you're, you're hammering away <laughs> at this story and he finally, he suddenly, you know, gives in. He's like, all right, let's, let's, let's work on this. Um, do you have any of the, the, the academic studies at that time, or is this sort of like, let's just sort of get almost like a first draft down on paper, you know, all the ideas that we have and, and not really worry about so much, you know, structure at, at this point. I think um, at, at the time I didn't really have any uh, academics behind me whatsoever, but I knew that I always wanted to make something, you know, I didn't want the typical kind of like nine to five job. I wanted to, you know, do something creative. And I used to sit around and just try to come up with ideas for a story. But after that kind of whole psychosis experience, I really, it was like, here's an idea. Um, and yeah, we just kind of, we just kind of ran with it. And, um, you know, we probably 80% of the time played video games, but that 20% of work that we actually did uh, slowly just kind of like built up over time. And I think our skills really built up over time as well. Did you ever have one of those moments where, um, you know, maybe you guys spent that 20 minutes of actually, you know, dedicated, you know, story writing, but then the other 80% of the time where you're, you know, playing video games, did you ever have a moment where sort of uh, the back of your mind might have been working on a story uh, beat or an element of the story and, you know, you, you, you're clicking around, you're going through and you're like, oh, I want, I want to add that and you know, I don't even know, maybe you guys got to the point where you had to pause the game and you're like, Hey, I just thought of this and let's, let's get that down. <laughs> well, um, we, we, most of the time we played overwatch. So being an online multiplayer game, we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't really pause it, but okay. um, there's definitely, uh, I think we both really believe in life being like the biggest kind of influence of all. So, you know, we're constantly, you know, we'll play a game together and there'll be like a certain element or a certain, could be a line a character says or some kind of like relationship that character has that can really just like inspire you for your own characters or you know your own story arcs and stuff yeah i think so see, it would almost like we became at a certain point like sponges like anything we would watch together we would mm. tacitly take notes and just say hey that's a cool idea like how can we you know put this into the story or i remember everything we were reading as well like i was reading a lot of philosophy a lot of like old school stuff and there would be a lot of lines and a lot of ideas i'd say like hey this is really cool and i'd write it down and then when we would come around you know we'd just chat about it for a little bit and it would just slowly build into um something something bigger so did you guys always envision this as as a comic or like i know like a lot of times you know you know somebody might start off in their creative journey and it's uh i want to do i want to make a novel or i want to make a movie was this always sort of uh set out to to be a comic book well um it when when i first started working on it the the wacky story that it was at the when it first began um i started writing it as a novel and i got probably 15 pages in and then i was like how the hell do i write a novel <laughs> it's, it's, it's very difficult um and then i brought it to oliver with the idea of it being an animated movie and then you really convinced me that 
there is too much to this story for it to be a movie. It needs to be a full series. And so the first probably three years of Awaken, we uh, actually worked to make it a pitch Bible and we sent it off to Frederator Studios. Um, we got declined, but we got a lot of really positive feedback about it um, that we need to kind of like remake our pitch Bible and send it off. But I think we just kind of um, decided that maybe a comic book seems to be the the easiest way to kind of get the story out there before we, you know, try to sell it as an animation or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So it, it sort of had this, this journey of it, it could have been these things, but eventually the decision is made that the, the comic book, you know, graphic novel, you know, sequential storytelling is the, is the way that you guys want to go. Um, mm. Did you then, it seems like folks take one of two routes. They either, you know, they grab the how-to books and, and, and they sort of read sort of the, you know, the, you know, the Scott McCloud understanding comics, or they just pick up their comics and they, they go through them and they, they reverse engineer them and figure out, you know, things that they like. And then they, how the, the story is being told. What was, what was the, the process that you guys used there once you made a decision that it was going to take a uh, comic book form? We just, yeah, once we decided that it was going to take comic book form, we just kind of soaked up as much comic book information as we could from any source. So we, you know, we bought a whole bunch and we'd read them. And, you know, I know Will did a few little online things to look at, you know, what's, you know, how typically does a comic book work? Mm. And, you know, luckily as well, our artist Chris has helped us out a lot as well because he's made some comic books. So, you know, we would bounce some script ideas off him mm. for the comic and he'd say, well, you know, this is kind of, you know, this is 54 pages long. You need to cut this out. This is filler or you need to make sure it's got um, a little arc in here. So a bit of process of both of doing, I think, and then also just um, gathering, gathering as many resources as we could around us. Mm. And also trying to not we know that there's a formula for making comics as well, but also trying to make our own, you know, not being, not making something like everyone else has. Of course, there's a golden way to do stuff, but it's, oh, we yeah. want to try and make something original as well. Maybe something that hasn't really been done too. And that's, yeah, you know. Try to not necessarily change Awaken to be a typical kind of action story, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess try and keep it true to Awaken and keep those, strong story elements that we really believe in and try to focus more on that, but still have those kind of action sequences that are comic requires. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So, um, a lot, so, so Will, then you go, uh, to the university and and you're studying screenwriting. Um, I'm assuming that a lot of that screenwriting is, is for film and, and, and maybe television is, is that correct? Yeah, that's true. So we've had a lot of folks that have, you know, experience in, in screenwriting and um, there's certain things that you can do in a comic that you can't do in, in, in other mediums, like sort of like, I think, isn't it sort of like one page of, of a screenplay should like equal like one minute of like uh, time on screen? Is, is that correct? Yeah, or- it's pretty close to that. Yeah. So, and like with a, with a movie, we all sort of experience time in, in the, in the same way. Like if, if, if I sit down to, you know, to watch Tenet, you know, it's, it's, you know, two and a half hours for me, it's two and a half hours for you, but I can read 
um, a comic at my own pace, or even like the the writer can can slow down or, or speed up the way you sort of move through the panels. So um, was that a little bit of adjustment that you you needed to make when you realized that like there's certain things that I'm going to be able to do with pacing and, and page turns and, and reveals in comics that I wouldn't be able to do with a with a screenplay that's you know made for for film. Um. Yeah, I, I guess it's some. I guess I haven't really uh, thought too much about it, to be honest. Um, I guess like more so with the screenwriting, it's like learning to write movies is is like the the new uh, kind of stuff that I'm that I'm learning, and and comics is where I'm kind of like coming from, if you know what I mean. Okay. So I guess studying screenwriting has given me a, a freedom in a sense to I guess tell stories differently if you know what I mean. Sure and so you go you, you're studying story you know a lot of times we hear about like the you know either like the hero's journey or the, or the three-act structure or, or the story circle was there was there mm -hmm. one of those methods that you were like okay that's what I want to try to use the 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 most for awaken or to take bits and pieces of a, a sort of you know story structure that we all know. Yeah, it's interesting when like I've I've only been studying uh, screenwriting since the start of this year, so it's interesting to learn all those techniques after we've already kind of written the storyline for awaken. For for a lot of the writing for awaken, we've kind of um, adopted this idea that you know, like somewhere out there in like this multifaceted reality, Awaken is its own kind of reality. And we just try to let the story tell itself to us. And we just kind of, we've just kind of winged it throughout the process. And this story has kind of told itself to us. And we've just kind of been like the, what do you call it? Like the mediators. The channels. That. Yeah, the channels for that. Um but it's interesting learning the, the techniques afterwards and seeing how much of those techniques already have found themselves into the story before we've even studied them. It's super fascinating. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if maybe uh, you kind of learn that structure through like osmosis, sort of like, you know, watching movies, you know, reading stories, yeah. you sort of probably... We're, we're putting that stuff to, together without it sort of being presented to you in, a, in an academic st uh, sense where, you know, you, you have a professor, you know, giving you a lecture and he's like, okay, we're doing this here, we're doing this here, we're doing this here. But maybe mm -hmm. like, you know, you sat down and you watched Star Wars and you're like, you, you saw how the story and then like the, you know, mm -hmm. you, you see that it's, it's basically just sort of like the hero's journey just told through, yeah. through uh, yeah. you know, through film. Cool. More so, like, oh, sorry, um, I was just going to say it's a more practical way of kind of like being taught something opposed to like the academic side. You're just kind of like watching something you love and yeah. allowing it to subtly teach you things. Yeah. So I have a question for Oliver. Um, you said that uh, your studies are in um, archaeology and uh, philosophy. So I'm wondering with that background, do you bring a lot of like world building elements to, to the story where you're like, you know, uh, you know, this deep question that was brought up in, in class made me think about this or, 
you know, in archaeology are like, oh, you know, I heard this cool story about the, this thing that they found. And what happens if that was, you know, this thing? Are you with, with that background? Are you bringing a lot of world building elements to, to the story? Yeah, I think that's probably probably actually a really good way um, to look at it. I know when when Will first brought it to me, a lot of the stuff um, that I did or that I tried to change was, yeah, making it a convincing and kind of cogent world that made sense and that mm-hmm. had a really kind of, you know, a deep message all the way through it and, you know, a really convincing kind of dystopia, you know, in, in mm-hmm. studying um, that kind of, classical literature a lot of a lot of it is about them imagining utopias so then when i you know will and i imagine one together it's kind of like oh you know this has been done before or you know plato's talked about this or this so we can draw from there and it really did help shape i think awaken to be quite a convincing um story and and a convincing little little city out there in space definitely and do you almost have like uh maybe not like sort of like a magic system, but do you almost have like a, uh, like a set of rules for like how these things can act and, or, you know, how, how things should act so that like, as you're going through the story, you know, that like, um, you know, this environment that we're in here, you know, we have this sort of control here to sort of keep this in place or um, is it not really that defined at, at this point? Uh, yeah, it, it actually, um, it was funny, actually, there was a guy who I was studying in my class with a while ago, and I was telling him about the story. And he was so, and I had never met anyone like this, he was so picky about the details of how the city functioned and the environment, and wanted to know, like, how, how do they have atmosphere? Like, what's the technology here? Like, how are they? How are they breathing? And I had thought about it, but I had never really kind of got into it. And after talking to this guy and being around him, I realized, yeah, we actually really need to have all that stuff defined so i think um that's been a big part of it too yeah making sure it's all cogent it all makes sense and if someone wants to know well how you know how are they how they flowing through space what what about the atmosphere how is it not getting blown away how are they breathing oxygen yeah really nutting out all those details has been um Mm. something that we do together yeah of course but um that's been really good through the philosophy as well and just you know thinking things out does this actually Mm. make sense you know Will this resonate with people? There is, there is like two sides to awaken. There's like, you know, the scientific kind of side of it that like, you know, this city in space needs to be able to survive and sustain itself. And like, obviously like warmth and light are something that you have to think about. Account for, yeah. Not only like logically for the characters to survive, but light as well for the visual elements of the story. Like where is the light source going to come from for characters in the woods or whatever. But then there's also... Um, I guess like a spiritual kind of side to the story that Zesh has these kind of like experiences and building that with, with you as well has been awesome because you got all that kind of like philosophical uh, grounding to add to those more kind of like spiritual and magical kind of elements of the story. Interesting. So, you know, Oliver, after you had that conversation where you, you know, you were asked all the questions about, you know, like the atmosphere, you know, traveling through space. Um, do you almost feel like now, like um, it's almost like I, I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with the, the movie The Martian, where it's like a lot of it is sort of hardcore based in science. And maybe yours is not like hardcore based in science, but you have like 
pretty sound logic to it but then every once in a while if there's something that you just you know you need to explain um you take a little liberties with it and um you sort of bend bend the rules and also bend the rules for for good storytelling uh yeah i think i think you're right when we say you know bend the rules and take a few and take a few liberties <laughs> you know i'm sure if someone was very logically minded and very rational they could probably pick apart the physics of the city and say, well, that actually can't work in this reality. And then, you know, it's kind of like, well, maybe we'll say it's not in this reality. It's in a little, it's a reality, a little bit like ours, but the rules of physics are a little different, but you know, at the end of the day, like I think everyone kind of expects comics or Mm. animation to be, it doesn't have to be so tight like um, our world now, but yeah, I think some people really, Mm. really appreciate that kind of, tightness of how the world works and the systems so yeah getting that defined and answering those questions for people and making sure you know it's a it's a good argument has been um been interesting and it's and it's been fun mm. but you know the thing is too studying philosophy you realize that at the end of the day there's no there's no real overall argument for anything they're all can be actually picked apart at the end of the day so it's mm. just kind of making one that is convincing in the most um uh the most cogent for everyone to understand and enjoy you know yeah yeah so you're you're at this point you know four and a half years um ago uh you're starting to you know make the story you're 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 refining the story um the decision has been made that this is going to be a comic book um and you guys are sort of handling the the co-writing uh of this book, but you, you need an artist. And I think you said earlier that the, the artist's name is Chris. Do you want to give Chris his full name? Chris Burr, I think his last name is B-E-R-R. He's quite an elusive fellow and doesn't <laughs> and doesn't, <laughs> doesn't give us much. If you haven't actually seen what he looks like, he, he's quite involved, but he also doesn't really want to be involved at all. Yeah. It's quite an interesting one. But yeah, Chris Burr, and he's from he's from Germany. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm assuming since he's from Germany and you guys are from, from Australia, it was sort of a, an, an online search for, for an artist? Yeah. 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 I think we found him on ArtStation, I think it was. Okay. So you were sort of uh, scrolling for, for an artist that you felt um, fit the mood and, and the theme yeah. for, for what you wanted and, and you saw his art. Um, and I guess maybe it was like a cold email or a cold contact from there like hey we saw your stuff online um we think you'd be great for for this project um and then sort of i'm guessing he's well since he's doing the book he said yes so um at at that point did uh did you guys run any of the the have to run any of like the story elements across from him um and then you know you know the decisions made that you guys are the team um so then you start on the project so so how was that sort of vetting process with with chris we we you know we before chris we had a few artists and we really struggled to kind of get the story across to them or kind of blend out all three of our creative energies just be on the same level was very difficult yeah we found it quite hard and with Chris, it was really interesting because once we sent him, you know, kind of cold call, we sent him a brief of an image that we wanted him to do. As soon as we got it back, we just, we just we knew, know, like, oh yeah. my God, like he, he took our idea and he added his own flavor to it. And it just was, it was, it was, every, it was so exciting. Yeah, it was so exciting. And, 
you know, since then we just, we would send him a brief, but we would also kind of have a paragraph where we would story tell as well. So we would kind of say, hey, you know, Zesh is in outer space here. And instead of just giving him, we want this, this, and this, we'd give him, you know, four or five sentences of the story. Yeah. It's like we slowly expose the story <laughs> to him one brief at the time. Because we were making the pitch Bible at the time, we just wanted pitches to fill the pitch Bible. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing just like one character at a time and then giving like a bio on them. Um, and, then, and I think over time, he slowly became a fan to the story. Yeah, <laughs> and really and really got involved himself. And that's been yeah. really good because, you know, it, we feel at the end of the day, you know, even though we have the story in our minds when creating it, it's once we give something to Chris, it's, it's a creation of all three of us. You yeah. know, we kind of, you need an artist or we feel like we need an artist who's also invested in the story and wants to put his own flavor on it you know because it just it just adds it's like a painting and he's adding another stroke and it just makes it more yeah. more beautiful you know so the 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 first images you got back from from chris those were sort of character sketches or, or you know uh character designs was was that what you got back first it was i'm pretty sure it was um it was uh you know that image of zesh floating in space in his like blue astral body yes that that one the the new it's not the new one with the space background but it was like the original version of that and it was just this like dragon ball z almost <laughs> anime style and having had five other different artists or, or some close to five other artists before then and then seeing that we were just like oh my god this is the guy <laughs> <laughs> That, that's really cool. Yeah, a lot of times on, on the podcast, we've talked to, to folks where, you know, you guys have lived with this uh, idea for a while. Um, and so you, 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 you go to Chris for, for a, uh, you know, a character design. And it's, I, I found it's either been one of these two magical things where the artist um, like almost nails what you had in your mind's eye or does something that's like really close, but they like, they go like one step beyond to like, to make it like that much cooler. So which one was it closer to like nailing it in your mind's eye or like taking what you had and making it so much cooler? I think, making yeah. It cool? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So from character designs, eventually you guys, uh, I, I'm assuming you go to, uh, you know, making a page. Um, so do you guys do full script um, where you're like page one, panel one, or do you guys do like Marvel method? And I'm not sure if you're sort of uh, familiar with Marvel method. Um, so if you need me to describe that, I, I could for you. Yeah, tell, yeah, yeah, we'd appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I guess sort of the the American sort of folklore is is that uh, you know Stan Lee would sort of sit there like on a Friday afternoon and say, you know, I want the Fantastic Four to to fight a monster from from space, um, and and this happens, and then sort of um, Jack Kirby would go home for the weekend or for the week and sort of write the story and then and then Stan would go and, and finish it. So you can either sort of give sort of broad strokes or you can sort of with full script, you can be down to like page one. I want this person here. This is the the environment they're in. They're, they're saying this to to each other. So it's either really a more of like a more general 
um, direction or like uh, breaking it down to the point where you're like, you know, panel description. So I don't know which which width method do you guys use? I'd definitely say panel description really, okay. really defined. I mean, we, so we, you know, we have two, two, two seasons of like an animated version of this already, already written out. So we have all the episodes. So when we're making this comic, we're taking episode one and we're converting, we're it. converting it to this comic, but we're trying to keep the elements yeah. that respect the story, but we're also trying to put it in a way now that yeah. also respects the comic. So, you know, what do we want to give away? It's kind of like, what do we want to give away in, and in this yeah. episode? How many panels do we have to explore this little theme? And how many panels do we have to explore, you know, the world before Croatia? Or how many panels do we have to show Zesh and his friends and really trying to use every panel, use every letter, every word to really yeah. tell this story in a way that doesn't? You know, it, it is, I guess, a little bit like the Marvel format it's as well, that when we do write it, you know, I'll write something and then I give it to Oliver and then he hands it back and we're just like constantly spitballing and polishing this kind of like story as we as we go. Okay. Um, so did you guys make any of sort of like the, the rookie mistakes? Like I'm certainly guilty of this when, when I started, like I had the cardinal sin of, I had like 15 panel pages and I was trying to, to jam like a lot of stuff into to a page. And the artist that I was working with was like, this is, this is way too much, you know, look at this, this should be two pages, you know, right here about the seventh panel is where the sort of the story beat ends. Um, so did you guys have any of those sort of rookie mistakes or, or growing pains as you were getting down I to think, the point to put it in the panel descriptions? Yeah. I think um, Chris caught us really early with that. Like before we'd sent him, oh, before we kind of got him to start, I'd like drawn up a couple of like rough ideas of the comic page myself and then sent it to him with like, you know, like 10, 15 panels on one page. And he's just like, <laughs> he's like, all right, let me lay this down for you. I'm only, only going to do like six to eight panels max on a page. Yeah. Every new page is going to be like either the same scene or like start a new scene on, on a different page. He just laid out a couple of like ground rules for comic writing. And then we're like, all right, <laughs> thank this you. Is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's, he's just been so refreshing in that, you know, it's honest and he tells us like hey you know you need to don't make these mistakes from the very beginning and it really helped us to be like oh okay okay that's something about chris that really stood out from any artists we had before that he he would tell us his opinion on stuff and like he like he wasn't afraid to put in his two cents about things mm. and that's something yeah really refreshing that yeah, i think you need from an artist to, to really make especially if you're going to be like a, a team yeah yeah for sure um, so I, I'm guessing maybe uh, with you guys being in Australia and, and Chris being in, in Germany, um, are there sort of mornings where you wake up to like, uh, like a new page or like, uh, you know, a new aspect to the page and you sort of, you know, you, you get the joy of waking up and, and, and having an, uh, an email in your inbox and you, you open it up and you're like, you get to see the cool thing that Chris was working on while you guys were asleep. It's, um, it's, it's like Christmas. It's like Christmas morning <laughs> time. <laughs> so good. Yeah, we love it. Like I'll wake up and we'll get an image and then, you know, whoever sees it first will send it to the other one. And so if I wake up in the morning and I've got a 
message from Will and it's a photo message. I know we've got a piece of artwork. I'm always so good. <laughs> excited cool. to see what's a great way on. to start the day, man. Yes. Like, oh my God. <laughs> awesome. And uh, so has the, the process evolved over time working with Chris? Did like, um, you know, were you seeing like thumbnails and does he work sort of digitally? Uh, I guess I should ask early on. Yeah, yeah. He, um, I think he runs everything through Procreate. Awesome. And so roughs and roughs and pencils and, and stuff like that. And is he sort of full service? Like, is he doing the, the coloring as well? Um, for the comic, we've brought on a colorer and a letterer as well. Okay. Um, just to lighten the load on Chris and let him focus on line work. But he's more than, um, he's more than capable. He could do all three. Um, and we did use him for a few pages on all three, but yeah, we think, um, we can split it up and give it to a few other people. And, and price-wise, it's also more effective to bring in other people. Sure. Um, so um, so you're getting like uh, line art from Chris um, and then you're turning that over to, to somebody to color um, and then you also uh, to letter it. Um, are you guys taking a pass through it once you see it lettered? Because I think all of us as writers, you know, once we see the the images on pages and in word balloons, um, mm. we, we see that like, oh, I didn't need to describe that or that person doesn't need to say that because, you know, mm. a lot of times in comics, it's uh, uh, it's show and tell. And there's, you know, there's also the the, uh, you know, the uh, the 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 rule about uh, show don't tell. So like, are you once the letters come in, are you? fairly happy with it or are you um still tweaking it at that stage it's it's always up for tweak until it's printed with us i think we don't yeah <laughs> we'll keep tweaking until um until it's been made there's really no point where we're not um keen to um go and edit we we had a panel a page the other week that we were looking at together and we noticed um some things in it that we didn't feel were very yeah that were missing a few little um little details like minor things and we just sent it to chris for him to draw this draw this in or you know draw this back over yeah. here so that it, it works so we're always yeah it's crazy like to revise at the start of the month you're like yep this page is done we're done with it it's polished call it done and then we see it a month later and we're like no we need to touch this 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 and this yeah so we're constantly yeah. polishing okay uh so all right so we've sort of talked about this you know the the idea um, deciding to go to comics, finding Chris, finding the rest of the the creative team, uh, was was Kickstarter always sort of the the thought of of where you were going to take this? Yeah, I think so. I think even you know four years ago when we we're in like Oliver's parents' garage just writing this out <laughs> on rough pieces of paper um, before playing Overwatch, we were like Kickstarter was the goal, you know. I'm very glad that we waited four and a half years because if we had <laughs> done it back then, it would have, yeah, it would be a different story. No one knew was um, prepared. I think patience has really served us well throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so it also seems like with making a comic, there's there's two ways to go or a combination of two ways to go. It's the the reference books or just reading the stuff that you like and reverse engineering it. So did you do any sort of uh, 
education into Kickstarter or did you just look at campaigns that you really liked and you're like, okay, I can see what that person's doing there. They got a lot of images. They, they have this, you know, they're, they're, they're telling me story beats and they're, they're giving me, you know, previews. Like how did, how did you do that? Did you do any education or did you sort of look for Kickstarters that you liked and reverse engineer those? Um, a little bit of both. Yeah. I, yeah. Probably a little bit of both. I think we, we, looked at a lot of campaigns that we really liked and, you know, attempted our best to, you know, reverse engineer them. And we watched a few things online about people talking about what a, um, you know, a convincing and a popular campaign is. A little bit of YouTube education there. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's really no sup, um, supplement for actually just doing it. I mean, you know, we le- we've, I think we've learned more in the two weeks of having our Kickstarter up than we did in the three months of preparing. You know, mm. once you actually do it, you actually realize, oh my God, like, you know, you learn so much more from doing it. I think we've taken a lot from yeah. actually making our campaign and being in it um, to know what it actually needs, you know? Yeah. And we also had this amazing um, artist, a comic book creator from Australia who, you know, who we found on this Facebook group who we messaged and he's just been so helpful as well, coming in yeah. and just giving us advice and helping us and showing us his... Just proof checking stuff yeah, for us. And- yeah, yeah just showing us his successful campaign. So I think too, just trying to engage with the comic community as well yeah. and people who have had successful Kickstarters to just try and get some advice. Mm-hmm. That's really helped as well. Okay. So I guess a, a question I would have, um, the, the Kickstarter is up and it's going. Did you look at um, Kickstarters from australian artist as well to sort of figure things out or was it uh, just more broad-based like looking for things that you you know maybe sort of like sci-fi you know young uh coming of age stories uh what, what, what was the process there i think we just kind of you know looked through comics and just the ones that really grabbed our eye we just kind of focused on those and said you know we like how they've kind of presented the story here and how they've used more visual elements to explain the story than say like lots of words. Like I think when we posted it, the ratio of words to images was like 10 to one. Like there was just so much word. It was very mm-hmm. wordy. Um, but you know, like five or f- five days to like a weekend, we're like, all right, we need to change this up and make it sleeker and add more images because because we really do have a big bank of images so we just kind of allowed the story to tell itself through through the artwork of chris more so than Mm. us trying to explain it with with a giant paragraph yeah i think yeah so i think yeah i think other people like you know just looking at Mm. other people i mean we didn't really feel like the definition of a comic book being made in australia or the u.s should really affect our Kickstarter. Yeah. And although we looked at some of the major Australian um, ones that made it, there was only like, you know, one or two that we really vibed. A lot of them were just kind of international. So we thought we don't really need to define ourselves too much. We will just look at everybody's, you know, and and see um, the general um, theme Mm. of what does well overall. Cool. So I guess uh, continuing on this thought um, and sort of designing the Kickstarter is where you guys located is that a challenge for for shipping because i know me being in the states to to ship a book uh to australia is not 
uh, inexpensive. So uh, was was that a factor when you guys were were going in there to like really research, um, you know, all that was going to be involved in shipping? And I know uh, personally for myself that like when I went in and and I backed it, I backed it as a you know, being somebody in the States and, and looking at it, I, I saw that there was a digital option. Um, so did you, did, was there a lot of planning there because of where you guys are located? Um, we didn't really have too much options, unfortunately. Like uh, in Australia, there's uh, OzPost and they just have a capital on postage. And unfortunately, it's just kind of like, yeah, postage is 20 uh, American uh, Australian dollars to get to the, to the US. I think it's 30. It is quite expensive. I think you're right. It, we, we feel like it did kind of mm. hamper us a little bit because, you know, you're spending, you're almost spending as much for the comic as you are to get it over to the States. And we realized only after that, you know, we actually have some friends in the States. So maybe we should have used that, sent everything to them and then used them to distribute it out. Um, so that was kind of a bit of a, so, a bit of a rookie mistake, but rookie mistake. But I think it's a big learning experience for later um, Kickstarters, you know, with issue two and stuff that we do really try to find an, another distributor, not only in the US, but even like in the UK, because UK postage, same price. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, and then, and in doing that, we realized, well, maybe we should give you know, give rewards to people. So, you know, we've, we, we initiated a few things in the Kickstarter there. Now, you know, if you're an international backer, you'll get some exclusive rewards that you only get from being overseas. So, and you know, trading card and some, mm. and some um, cards, uh, postcards as well. So just trying to sweeten that deal, but yeah, a bit of, bit of a shame that we didn't really, yeah. <laughs> that we didn't really realize that, but that's, again, I think that's just part of the, you only learn once you actually, you're in the thick of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you guys had mentioned that sort of the, the best way to learn is, is to do, and I'm, I'm hearing you guys sort of brainstorm, and it sounds like, you know, you guys are, are thinking about, you know, creative solutions or more sort of logistic solutions for, for volume two. So, again, it's that sort of learn by doing um, mm -hmm. method. It sounds like you guys are already sort of thinking about, you know, future plans there. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I guess the good thing about working in pairs too, you know, that we have. But, uh, yeah. You know, I can't imagine doing it solo would be just yeah. oh, incredibly difficult. So incredibly lucky to have a creative yeah. partner that's share the load, I guess, in, in a certain way, you know. It's, oh my God, running the Kickstarter, there's so much going on. There's emails and messages <laughs> and people commenting on the Kickstarter and you got to do all the artworks for the milestone bonuses and stuff. Just doing it solo would just... It'd be like a full-time job. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I often sort of, when I'm in it, when I'm in a, running a Kickstarter, I almost have sort of like a uh, unwritten agreement with my wife that if she hears me <laughs> sigh, that it's nothing, there's, there's nothing really wrong. That's just me and my 30 days or 31 days of crazy Kickstarter haze where like everything gets to me and I, I take everything, I take everything super personal that like uh if i send out a post and you know it doesn't do well it's it's i i you know i'm the the the, the sky is falling and she's just sort of like <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna leave you alone for your kickstarter stuff if, if something is really wrong you'll tell me but if i i hear you down in your office <laughs> sighing or i'm just gonna i'm just gonna let you let you be do you, do you have any sort of agreements like with that with family mm -hmm. members or significant others 
Um, I think my my partner's definitely noticed a couple of times where <laughs> I just like, you know, it'll be like two days and we don't make a backer and I'm just like on edge, like, no, we're not going to make it. Like, yeah, the sky's definitely falling is a good way to describe it. Um, but yeah, probably um, being a bit let a bit more transparent with it and, and telling her that it's nothing personal is probably a good idea. I think <laughs> I think too would be lucky because you know sometimes when you know when Will's feeling you know we haven't got a few backers and Will's in a few days and Will's feeling a little down you know and he'll message me and I say don't worry man just you know trust in the process it'll be all right like we'll, yeah. we'll make it just just have faith and then he'll feel really good and then a few days later I'll be like oh man like we haven't any backers we're not gonna make it and then I'll message him and he'll be like don't worry man we're gonna make it. <laughs> There, there hasn't really been a point where we're both like lost hope <laughs> we use each other to pull each other up which is yeah. nice oh that, that's awesome it's its own sort of uh co-writer uh uh sell our uh kickstarter uh support team that you, that you guys have there exactly so i think from sort of that description i might know the answer but an, another question i ask people um are you a refresh the the Kickstarter every 30 seconds to see, you know, backer counts and funding goals? Or do you do you, do you step away and go do something and, and check in and go, oh, uh, this is where I am right now. So what, yeah. what kind of Kickstarter runner are you? Uh, a refresh every 30 seconds or sort of check in periodically at where you are? First thing when we wake up in the morning, first thing after breakfast, first thing at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um... I got a I got a newborn, so I'm up like every three hours of the night changing nappies, and I'm guilty of <laughs> every time I change a nappy, I'm like, oh no, new backers, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm I um I'm in the I fall into the camp of uh, constantly uh, refreshing uh, kickstarters and and sort of seeing seeing where I am. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's it's Kickstarter mania is uh, is is a, is a crazy thing definitely it's it's the best the best dopamine hit and the most uh, the most saddening thing it could be either one so you roll, roll the dice every time <laughs> you um, open up a little kickstarter up. so you know at the time of this recording you guys are, are about to enter to your 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 last your last week um so do you want to talk about like where where you stand like i i, I saw some of your stats earlier but you want to just sort of say where we are kind of with a, with a week to go yeah sure um so we're at uh eight days right now um we're at 85 i think maybe even 86 overnight percent funded um i guess right now we are uh in the end game you could say we're um focusing on right now stretch goals and mm -hmm. figuring out what they're going to be so that when we get closer we can kind of like I guess build more hype right at right at the end. Mm -hmm. um, we we got our last milestone bonuses coming up. Um, yeah, we're just kind of like really trying to focus on ending with a bang and creating some really cool um, stretch goals. Yeah, I think we're just in that last little push, that last little week where we're going to try and we're trying to just push it as much as we can. Get anyone over who anyone over the line who was thinking about backing and. Mm really just charge home um, and then make over that. I think um, goal. to touch on what you asked earlier about, um, you know, supporting each other and stuff. I think Oliver mentioned something that's really 
rings true when we talk about this uh, this this question now is that you know it isn't a sprint; it's a it's a marathon, and I guess we're trying to kind of keep the momentum going for this for this last little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also this strange sort of uh, trend um, that a lot of people who run Kickstarters, um, you know, and I've sort of noticed this with the Kickstarters that I run, is that you know you hit. You hit launch and there's the excitement of the the first you know two to three days where you know the 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 counts are going up the 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 funding you know counts are going up then you get in the middle and it's you know the one two and god forbid there's the the there's the no backer days but there's Mm -hmm. also there's also a a rush at the at the end so that did anybody in sort of your you know talking to today sort of tell you that like hey you're gonna you're gonna have this dead zone in the middle um but a lot of also people sort of experience sort of a uh, an uptick at the end because for some strange reason you have a number of folks who have clicked that sort of um save this project and they get a they get an email um you know when it's in its last 48 hours and then and then you have a you know you have another uptick so did anybody sort of prepare you for that um I think a lot, not not really. I, I guess there's a lot of experience we have gotten. Like the the only people to really tell us about the the dead zone in the middle is, uh, you know, when you run a project, you get a lot of emails from um, promoters and marketers and stuff, um, and a lot of those people have been like, "Oh, the middle dead zone," blah blah blah. <laughs> and I guess in that sense, yeah, we've had a little bit of experience, but. Um, Outside of that, not not really, no. Cool. It's gonna be yeah, gonna be interesting to see what happens in the last yeah few days because you're saying there was something like eighty people watching or something. Yeah, we had mean? there's there's uh, on the dashboard there's like uh, eighty five to ninety people that are watching and only sixteen percent of those people have been converted. So it's cool to think that they're potentially they're, yeah yeah more backers there. I, I feel I have a I have a theory that um that that rush at the end is uh to do with the stretch goals and then there's like a there must be like a big dopamine release to kind of like knocking off all those stretch goals <laughs> as you're watching it almost like an xp bar and in, in in skyrim you're just unlocking all these skills you know <laughs> so you know what are you know this is listed as as volume one um so what are what are your thoughts as sort of future plans um you know let's just say best case scenario um you know we get more awakened we get we get a volume two um what um what are you sort of your thoughts on 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 schedule are you sort of playing that by by ear sort of like how much the the team can take on or do you do you have sort of a a plan there that say maybe in six months we might see uh, a volume two or in a year we might see a volume two Have have you gotten that that far in your planning yeah i think um definitely i think with inside the six months well i think i think i think first two actually we need to really see how the team handles yeah. making the first um, volume and how long that actually is going to take. Mm-hmm. But definitely with inside six months to a year, we want to have, you know, the second volume and then after that, the third, and hopefully we can mm. pick up and get faster and faster and really Keep start momentum going, making, making more because, you know, as we said, we have this story is we have a lot to tell, you know, and yeah. there's really, we've been waiting so long to tell it. So 
Yeah. We make the first, we want to make the second, we make the second, we want to make the third, we make yeah. the third, and we just want to keep yeah. pushing them out, but also keeping that quality as well. We don't I want think, to sacrifice um, that. Before we started the Kickstarter, we were really focusing on the story after Fruatia. And I think getting to that point in actual in an actual physical form is just so exciting. We just want to kind of keep the momentum going mm. and get there as soon as possible because I'm so excited to <laughs> kind of get into that part of the storytelling because that's yeah that's cool <laughs> awesome well guys it's been really awesome you know hearing this whole process from you know beginning um to you know kickstarter being in the middle of a kickstarter um but as we close up where would be the best place for people to to follow you online to to see um i know you guys have an instagram page but is there um any other social media um and then after you know the listing of social media give us that that one last final push that one last sort of pitch for for this book awaken on kickstarter cool um well i guess majority of our updates do come through um awaken underscore the official or awaken underscore the underscore official on Instagram. Um, we do have a, an awaken the story or awaken uh, Facebook slash awaken story is our Facebook kind of doesn't get too much more updates than the Instagram, but we will after our uh, Kickstarter finishes, I think we will launch a um, Patreon as well that will have the constant updates of like this artwork's done and these pages are lettered and colored and that kind of constant process um which will be shared through our Instagram um but yeah I'd, I'd say Instagram's the best place to find information for us yeah so you can uh so you can go through the Instagram to the Kickstarter and we've also got a website as well which gives a far, a far, a far more thorough breakdown of story and characters, if people wish. Yeah, that's um, well. um, awakenstory.com. And that will kind of be the home base that sends you in all the other directions as well. So yeah. you'll be able to find everything else on there from awesome. our Kickstarter, our Patreon. Yeah. So um, I'm going to have links to the to the Kickstarter, obviously, in the in the show notes to make it as easy as possible for, for anybody listening to just sort of scroll down and click that link. I'll have the, the IG and, and the web page there as well. Um, but let's 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 do that one last pitch again for, for this book because as you said, we're in the end game. We're we're roughly a week away. Um, we're really close to funding. So um, tell us a little bit again about the Awaken um, Volume One um, that's on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, I mean, as Will said uh, at the start, you know, it's a tale about human humanity survival in a in a future without Earth. You know, we're following the life of Zesh as he's growing up on this, you know, dystopian dystopian city. It's full of philosophy. It's full of action. It's full of insights. Uh, and, a, and season, well, volume one is really the, the beginning of that, the start of the tale. And, we you know, we need your support on Kickstarter to help bring this to life. And this will be, if we are successful, the first of many, you know, awaken. We want to awaken to be around for a very long time. And, you know, this is your chance. This is our chance to make this and, and be a part of it. So, you know, we look forward to this and really appreciate all your all the help from anybody and yeah awesome well guys i you know i have looked at a lot of the images on on kickstarter it's it's really great stuff and, and i'm pretty excited for this book and and i'm a backer so i encourage uh, listeners to go check out the kickstarter um, again links for everything are going to be in the show notes so 
Um, Oliver and Will, I'd like to, to thank you again um, for, for coming on the podcast. Um, for anybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter. It's at ConstructComPod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. Also, um, I'm going to have a link to a Kickstarter, um, Modern Mytho- excuse me, Modern Mythology, Folklore Retold. Um, there's a story in this book um, by Noah, uh, the co-host who couldn't join us tonight. He did the art on that book, and um, I wrote the story. We did a uh, we did a sci-fi reimagining of the American myth of uh, John Henry, uh, the steel-driving man. Um, so check that out if you could. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.